Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. everyone so the first segment starting off is of course about the episode announcements and the first one is that the environmental holiday that uh, was in may was bike to work day and that's always the third friday in may and usually fluctuates each year and for the 2020 date it was may the 15th but for the 2021 date that's going to be on may the 21st so be sure to look out for a bike to work day next up is headlines from the hemispheres it is a quick briefing on all types of environmental news and their headlines all across the world So the first headline is about flamingos and how aggressive they can be. So pinker flamingos more aggressive. And this was found on sciencedaily.com in the science news section. And this is out of the UK at the University of Exeter. I talked on research on this institution in a few different other um, headlines. But this one happens to uh, take place and talk about flamingos. So they were talking about how bright pink flamingos actually are more aggressive than their paler counterparts, uh, especially when fighting over things like food. And this is according to new research out of uh, the UK. And so this is regardless of gender. So um, the University of Exeter and the Slimbridge Wetland Center, they actually studied uh, the birds and they believe that a wider space or a wider uh, spacing around um, places where the birds would get their food would, of course, mean the birds, especially in captivity, are less likely to fight. So again, there's no difference between either males or females or any in between uh, in rates of their feeding or even their aggression. And then one of the main researchers from uh, the uh, research, uh, he is quoted as saying, quote, this research shows that zoos don't have to make huge changes to how they keep their animals to make a big beneficial difference to animal behavior, end quote. And that was again from Dr. Rose of the University of Exeter. Next is some information about uh, the Trump administration when it comes to non-renewable energies. So Trump administration limits states' power to stop oil and gas pipelines. And this is out of some information from NPR.org. So this information, of course, is coming from the United States. And it talked mainly about Section 401. So for those who don't know, it's from the Clean Water Act. And it actually gives local authorities the rights to review new projects that uh, make sure that local water is not harmed or uh, contaminated in any way. 
So you may be asking, how has it been used? Well, it's mainly been used to block construction of new fossil fuel types of infrastructure, like uh, projects that have to deal with oil and uh, gas pipelines. So essentially, this makes it so uh, 401, Section 401, makes it easier for states to essentially have the power to overrule federal decisions. But all the way back in August uh, 2019, so not too far back, the EPA, they decided to, quote, increase the predictability and timeliness of Section 401 certification, end quote. And so with the administrator of the EPA, Wheeler, they are, are trying to make sure that the, the rule, the new rule, or trying to make it a bit different, they're trying to make um, specific timelines for the state's uh, reviewing and the requ- it will require final action within one year of receiving its application. So this really limits the scope of what Section 401 uh, review, what that will do, and it directs states to, you know, look at only local water quality and not something like as big as climate change, which is pretty harmful. And then last but not least is about air pollution. We're going to talk about that a little bit. So air pollution from fracking killed an estimated 20 people in Pennsylvania from 2010 to 2017, according to a study. And this was um, from Environmental Health Network, ehn.org, for those who aren't familiar. So for all those who hate air pollution, particulate matter is a huge cause of air pollution. And so it's really being admitted in places like Pennsylvania. And so you'll see it a lot when it comes to their fracked wells. And it killed about 20 people between those seven years, between 2010 and 2017. And this was from a study from uh, Binghamton University out of New York. So Pennsylvania is the second largest producer of natural gas, unfortunately, in the U.S. after Texas. And so in those seven years, there were a lot of permits uh, for fracking wells in the state of Pennsylvania, and half of those uh, wells were drilled. So one of the biggest uh, things that fracking does is create byproducts, and one of those is particulate matter, which is known in the industry and to those who are familiar with air pollution as PM 2.5. So the news portion comes from phys.org, otherwise known as phys, as in like physical or physics. And there was a few different, I guess, reasons why I wanted to cover this uh, episode, mainly because I don't talk too much about mosquitoes. I've only done like maybe two or three episodes about them. And I thought that the news would be useful in this case, uh, meaning as, you know, there's a whole hemisphere that is usually warm and has more of a humid and hot climate. And therefore, Therefore, you know, cannot escape mosquitoes. And there are probably some listeners who are probably out there um, towards the middle of the equator or in South America or in Central Africa and, you know, or Sub-Saharan Africa or someplace else where it's extremely hot and they cannot escape it. Or maybe you're, you're living and you live in the southern United States or southwest and you cannot escape the, the hot springs and summers. And so you're mainly affected by pesky 
bugs or insects however you want to name them and other flying insects and so you know maybe the information in this podcast will definitely help you or maybe you can share it with someone else but this would be definitely information to take in especially because mosquitoes are a nuisance there's thousands of species of them they're not going away anytime soon and so it's best to figure out how we can avoid them and how we can avoid uh, when the, they're most biting or we're going to you know, figure out that together um, and learn a bit more about it. So we're going to have some fun, learn some new things and I discovered some new things while getting into the topic and preparing for the research. It was kind of hard finding a topic that um, would um, be suitable, you know, be applicable, be kind of fun. And I searched for like a few hours. It took some time, but I finally got something. And so I'm glad to finally talk about it with you all. So about the topic, we're going to talk about the best at being a pest, the mosquito. I cleverly titled it. So no, no one is a stranger to mosquito nets and insecticide treated ones. Maybe if you live in a dense populated area with mosquitoes and mosquito larvae, then you are definitely no stranger to trying to ward against mosquitoes. So in recent years, there's been a huge scale of having insecticide-treated bed nets and other types of materials to try to get rid of mosquitoes where, where people are. And so there's been a global decline of malaria in some recent years. But because of this, Mosquito, mosquitoes have gotten smarter and they've begun shifting their biting times to earlier in the evening, unfortunately, and also later in the morning. So they're very smart and they're catching on. So in a new study, there has been a huge team from all over, but mainly out of Penn State, my alma mater, woo woo. And um, they've done research about how mosquitoes transmit malaria and they, they do it um, several different times. So for those who didn't know, because of this research, they were able to find that mosquitoes usually are biting and are transmitting malaria in the early evening. So your five, six, seven uh, o'clock range uh, when people are more exposed uh, and out and about, and then around midnight, which is of course um, after 11 p.m. So like you know when the clock strikes uh, 12. And then uh, when people are protected by their bed nets, unfortunately, they are also bitten. And so mosquitoes are able to get them in the morning. So your early evening, midnight, and morning are your times where mosquitoes are more likely going to go ahead and transmit malaria and or bite you. So with the findings, this means that there is a lot for those who are in research about malaria and preventative measures and initiatives to uh, take heed and to absorb and to follow. This is great research and great timing. So with the team, the international team, they conducted laboratory tests and they studied and examined the feeding times of these two different uh, types of mosquitoes and their ability to become infectious with the malaria parasite. So they presented blood uh, samples to the mosquitoes, most importantly. Uh, I'm going to, for reference, call them MM1 and then MM2. 
So they uh, had them uh, both um, ingest infected blood meals at different times of the day, and then they did it uh, under different uh, temperature conditions. So those varied. So they looked at the vector competence or the ability to um, for the mosquitoes to successfully acquire the malaria parasites and become infectious. This is really important. Because of this vector competence, it, it wasn't changing when the temperature um, of the samples or the room even was kept at a steady 80 degrees Fahrenheit. There was no change uh, in the ability for the malaria parasites to infect. Now, when the temperature was fluctuating at slightly you know, higher than 80 degrees Fahrenheit or even lower than 80 degrees Fahrenheit, things changed. So this meant that 88% of evening biters, 65% of midnight biters, and 13% of morning biters tested positive for the parasites in MM1 mosquitoes and then in MM2 mosquitoes, there were 55% of evening biters, 26% of midnight biters, and 0.8% of morning biters were positive for malaria parasites. So this research is pretty cool and if you want to read the whole thing um, and not just the snapshots or highlights or just any detailed information or want to you know just learn more about it then the research is in Nature, Ecology, and Evolution and the research article is entitled The Influence of Feeding Behavior and Temperature on the Capacity of Mosquitoes to Transmit Malaria. So pretty simple title. I want to, of course, leave you with a, a few simple uh, quotables and then we'll proceed with my commentary. So the first is that, quote, warm temperatures can inhibit parasite establishment so longer the time before mosquitoes are exposed to warm daytime temperatures, the better the chances that the mosquito becomes infected. And quote, and that was from uh, N. Ho Sha, a postdoctoral scholar at Penn State. And then the next quote is from the professor and Huck scholar. Quote, wide-scale use of insecticide-treated bed nets has led to substantial declines in the global uh, burden of malaria in recent years. However, evidence from a number of locations suggests that mosquitoes might be changing their biting behavior in order to avoid contact with these nets, end quote. And that again was from Professor and Huck scholar Matthew Thomas in uh, the Ecological Ethnology Department at Penn State. Well, I gotta say, this is some striking information. This is some um, vibrant information. I'm so excited to learn, actually, the, I guess, cheat code to how mosquitoes behave and what temperatures they definitely bite at a bit more and when and where they do. I think that this was mostly useful because it benefits us to know when we're most susceptible to mosquitoes beyond factors that I've talked about in previous uh, podcast episodes about genetics or your type of the type of clothing that you wear or the scents uh, that you may have on your body. Uh, this is a uh, sort of uh, breaking open how mosquitoes operate and especially at what times of day that they do. You know, early evening, 
midnight, morning. This means you should avoid at all costs being late at night, uh, you know, having uh, the mosquitoes around you. And especially during the warming seasons and the hot seasons uh, when mosquitoes are, you know, up and at them and around. Um, I wonder how this research would definitely benefit populations who live in warmer climates. You know, do they know about the peak times and the, the high times that mosquitoes are out and about? I mean, I know that there are measures uh, protecting uh, them, but not everyone is clear. There are so many malaria uh, ridden uh, deaths from, um, you know, mosquitoes that it kind of goes without saying that there has to be better protection measures um, when it comes to mosquitoes. And there are, you know, repellents out there, but there aren't the best ones out there. Like there are so many non-natural um, options out there. It's kind of daunting. Um, here in the U.S., DEET is a familiar term. It's like recognized and it's it's just, you say it and you know what it belongs to and you know what it's for, the use of it's for. But, you know, we can put a man on the moon, but we can't create an all natural, you know, 100% proof product uh, to repel mosquitoes. That's just, uh, it makes me angry, but also it makes me upset just in the fact that I can't get something, you know, good for my skin, isn't uh, cancer causing or has any ill effects down the road, but is deep just because it's, you know, accessible, cheap, and it's, you know, um, it has notoriety around it. It doesn't mean that I should be putting that on my body just to escape mosquitoes. There are definitely better repellents out there. I'm going to talk about a few natural ones and reiterate those for those who haven't listened to um, the previous podcast um, I did uh, about in 2019 um, about mosquitoes. So there are um, a few facts I want to just talk about because there are a lot of mosquito species, almost 4,000, but it's approximately uh, 3,500. And so only a couple hundred of these species actually feast on human blood, if you didn't know, which is kind of alarming. But it's a good thing because there's only a few hundred. It's not like they all are able to feast on human blood. And of course, the females, they only uh, drink the blood and have adapted themselves to uh, do that. They're the only ones to kind of hunt uh, for human blood. Now, malaria is an infectious disease and it takes place, um, you know, widely around the world and infects so many people and about 250 million people, which is a lot of people. Um, about each year, so annually, but only a fraction of them are killed, about 1 million or so, and they're mostly children in Africa, um, sad to say, and I know that, um, you know, a lot of the commercials from international charities and organizations, they they love to put African children, small children, um, you know, out in front uh, when it comes to malaria. But uh, malaria affects so many different people around the world, not just people uh, on the continent of Africa. But another thing which I found out, which was kind of disturbing, which was there were counterfeit anti-malarial drugs that 20% of people die from. So they're getting the fake uh, anti-malarial malarial drugs. Which is just as unfortunate as even not having the drugs. So you're dying from the fake drugs that you can't get the real real drugs for. Or you're thinking that you're getting the real drugs and they turn out to be fake. 20% of people are dying just because of that. Just based on that. Um, which is, 
um, alarming to say the least, but at the same time, there's a whole industry um, of fake products, of fake drugs, and people proliferate off of this. There's a whole marketing uh, round and selling in underground um, uh, works done because of fake drugs. Um, and it's disturbing, it's distressing. You know, there are people who live their livelihoods and this is what they do. They don't make real products. They can't get into the, the cookie cutter industry, top notch industries. They don't have the skills. So they want to make fake drugs and kill people and, and make anti-malarial drugs. This is not a, a new thing. This has been going on for so long in the U.S. Billions of dollars are, are, are counterfeited or, or, or um, taken back. Uh, drugs and also goods, purses and clothes and all types of other things that are fake. Um, so those who are scammers, those who are um, copycats, you know, they're making big, big business, unfortunately, because of this, um, which is which is wrong. You know, why would they do that? You know, they do that because they can get away with it. Are they are they from countries where there's no laws around this? Maybe. But also that's something to be aware of, too. You know, we can't always save everyone, even though we want to save so many people, um, even though we want to be vigilant. Um, not everyone can, can be that way. There are a lot of people who are desperate, who are in tough um, situations that they can't get themselves out of, or they want to save their kids, their families, um, and they have malaria. And there needs to be more to, to combat that. You know, whatever country you're from, if you live in a country or place, region, that um, has a lot of infections, you know, be be vigilant and look at how uh, the measures to protect those who have malaria are carried out. Are the people coming from uh, inside your country to help you out? Are your, are your country's um, health agencies and departments uh, controlling the spread of malaria? How is it operating? Have you gotten sick of the past? What's worked? Um, like I said before, there have been millions of people each year who, um, you know, get um, sick um, and it kills a, a fraction of those people. So it's only killing a fraction of people, but there are a lot of people who get sick and have effects from that. So in any regard, just be uh, aware of how this disease um, affects, um, it's a, if it's affecting you in your neck of the woods, if it's not, mosquitoes still carry, um, you know, deadly diseases, period, and malaria is one of the worst. So to fight uh, some of the uh, worst effects and some of the worst things to happen when we get bit by mosquitoes, I have a few things to help um, in that. So listen up quick so you can uh, take in these amazing tips. This is the Mother Earth Minutes where we review in the next few minutes proactive things we can all do to combat the issue in the episode and always to protect Mother Earth. This is great because the message is clear to check out these prorated uh, tips on preventing malaria. I mean prorated because I literally talked about some of these tips but not all of them of course. Um, one of them specifically though. Um, in uh, a previous Mother Earth Minutes in one of the other episodes about mosquitoes of the uh, two that I have done previously uh, back in 2019. So it's kind of um, a bit new mid 
mixed with a little bit of um, one old tip because it was so uh, power um, impacting and really, really simple to do. You can find some of these ingredients um, around and maybe they'll help uh, prevent uh, getting mosquito bites um, and getting infected. Um, so one of the first tips, really simple, is to avoid wearing scents. So sorry to say, but if you are wearing any lotions or perfumes, colognes or different soaps, these will definitely be attracting mosquitoes. You could definitely be doing more harm than good. So be sure to steer clear of them. I don't know why people wear scents specifically in the summer. It's too hot to wear them in the sweat and dirt and grime and oil of the skin kind of dismisses and disperses the scents and then they don't stand as strong alone but um, I would advise against wearing scents uh, period especially in mosquito weather Number two is to add plants to your property, um, your garden bed, anywhere that repels um, mosquitoes because it will have the, the chance to do that. So something like citronella or lavender, which isn't my favorite, but I do like something like lemongrass, which is um, a, a reasonable plant to have in your garden or um, in maybe your apartment or somewhere else where um, mosquitoes may happen to you know, be marigolds, also basil like the spice, um, are great repellents um, of mosquitoes. So you could plant any of those uh, anywhere around your gardens, your property, anywhere where flowers are, anywhere where you think that mosquitoes will try to lay eggs and try to multiply. Number three is to, of course, create natural mosquito repellents. So even though they may not be all the way effective, most of them are, but these are the natural kinds. I'm not talking about the non-natural kinds, the ones that you can pick up at the store. These are definitely for the DIYers or do-it-yourselfers. So anyone who has cinnamon leaf oil, that's great. One study found that it was more effective at killing mosquitoes than DEET-10. And then you could also use something like clear liquid uh, vanilla extract mixed with olive oil, or you could wash uh, with citronella soap, and then put some 100% pure citronella essential oil mixed with a carrier oil like olive oil or coconut oil on your skin, or you could just have it in a container and then put it on your skin as needed um, around mosquitoes. And then you could also use something like uh, Java citronella, which is the highest quality citronella that you could have on the market. So there's a few options there when it comes to citronella. Uh, you could also have catnip oil, which also according to one study uh, is 10 times more effective than DEET 11. And then last but not least, you could use other oils like fennel or thyme, clove oil, celery extract, or also neem oil uh, to uh, use against mosquitoes. Tip number four is to definitely avoid peak times. Now we've learned because of the news that we learned uh, in uh, with the research, obviously, that it's most likely that these mosquitoes will transmit malaria during certain times or transmit um, any disease and get you um, sick. So the times of early evening, so five, six, seven, 
um, or um, the times when uh, they're also people are also exposed of course are around midnight and then even when you have bed uh, nets also in the morning so those are the three peak times uh, when mosquitoes are out and active and you're more likely to be uh, bitten and then uh, last but not least uh, Tip number five is to check out my other two podcast episodes. This one will be the third, but the previous other ones back in 2019, I did an episode entitled Ways to Get Rid of Mosquitoes Naturally. I did that one on April 4th, 2019, and then another one about mosquitoes. Um, For those who um, want to uh, learn more about the social science of uh, mosquitoes and where they are, especially in lower income neighborhoods, um, I talked about that one as well. And that one was the bigger, bloodier, and bountiful study shows mosquitoes are bigger in lower income areas. And I did that one back on October 17th, 2019. The ego fact of the day is that France taxes SUVs. That short and sweet fact was sourced from the Sierra Club Sierra Magazine in the May-June 2020 issue. So we have reached the Eco Company Spotlight in the Greener Thoughts program. This is where I talk about and review some amazing companies, some of which you may have heard of or not heard of. Um, and I talk about them in depth and give you a little bit of a peek preview about them and my experience of them. And I do it, of course, free. And I love doing it. I've been reviewing tons of different companies and services, uh, different things like that, since February 2019. And I love it. And I have an amazing one to share with you in this podcast episode. And I can't wait to do it. It is from uh, Sunset Produce. And so I'm going to talk about it. So Sunset is a family-owned amazing company and they've spanned the array of produce over 70 years and they've cultivated things like tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, and berries and they've been the largest and become the largest, most successful greenhouse powerhouse grower, of course, in 70 years. They are headquartered in Kingsville, Ontario, which is in Canada, and they have divisions all across the U.S. in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Texas, California, and Florida. So regarding their commitment to sustainability, Sunset Produce is really great because their products are, of course, greenhouse grown. They have organic foods, their products, they are non-GMO project verified. They do practice water conservation methods, they recycle their rainwater, and they do have recyclable packaging. Now their product selection, they have, again, a few different amazing uh, produce options that you you may have heard of before, before, of course, Um, the peppers, 
uh, they're, they're known for tomatoes, especially that was one of their first crops. Uh, cucumbers, lettuce, specialty items, uh, which are of course um, vegetables and such. And they have organic uh, produce as well. And they have the cutest names I have ever heard of when it comes to produce. Uh, names like sugar bombs, sweet bites, angel sweet, and mini kumato is the cutest thing ever, just to name a few. So for more on the, their names and their products, just go to www.sunsetgrown.com and then go to products and organics uh, to check out their organic section in particular. Now I love their products and my experience has been kind of varied because I love their sweet bell peppers. They are so cute um, and just so crunchy, uh, very wholesome and always tasty. Nothing ever subpar about them. T their tomatoes are great because they have the small tomatoes, they have the bigger, uh, more cushy tomatoes and they have organic products as well. So I love it. Their quality is bar none fabulous. I do love that they, they pack taste. Um, they're not uh, overly ripe, great satisfaction. They last a long time. Um, and then there's the traceability factor, which I love because on the website you can find out clear and intentionally um, how they have traced their products, which um, factory they're from, uh, which uh, country they are from and grown out of and of course they are a greenhouse grown so they are very clear and transparent about how to trace any of their fruits or vegetables uh, they do it well and uh, it's amazing I, that's one of the, the the first companies I think I've ever talked about in the eagle company spotlight where you can directly trace any of their produce so uh, hands up for that five out of five green thumbs up for that um, I would say that their uh, produce, their products, any of their goods are great for snacks, um, lunches, breakfasts, um, anything for kids, um, definitely snack time, sandwiches, um, dinners. You could pack some of their um, foods in there and have um, you know fun with that. They have recipes on their site, which is great. I always point that out um, when it comes to uh, you know reviewing websites because sometimes you can always you know you know just create things off the fly and you want to you know see how this product does in a recipe and if they're creating recipes and have them on the site you might as well use them um, I do love their packaging, really great recyclable, I've never had a problem with it, and I love that their pricing is good, um, and I wish that they had the uh, locations of where to buy on their website, that's the only thing uh, that I would, you know, just change and just add as like a comment or suggestion uh, when looking at uh, that piece, but other than that, they are an amazing company. So Sunset Produce can be found online, of course, um, on the website. You can check out the information about them at uh, sunsetgrown.com. And then, of course, their grocery stores or the grocery stores that feature their products are usually going to be, of course, all across North America because they are based in Canada. And you can check out um, buying their products in stores across the USA. I wish that I could find specific uh, stores, but namely, just check out anything. Uh, within the produce section at your grocery store and you're bound to find uh, Sunset products. So Sunset can be found online uh, when it comes to their social media platforms, of course. And so they are on Facebook at Sunset Produce. 
Go on Instagram at sunsetgrown, lowercase, of course, and uh, one word. Um, they are on, on LinkedIn at Mastronardi Produce Limited, and they are on Pinterest at Sunsuit Produce. They're on Twitter at Sunset, and they are on YouTube at Sunset Grown. I recently watched one of their little videos and instantly subscribed. Very nice. Um, and to contact Sunset, all you have to do is go to their website, www.sunsetgrown.com, and then go to the Talk to Us section at the bottom of the website to call, mail, or even message them. That was cool. That was great to have, you know, talked about mosquitoes, even though mosquitoes suck literally and figuratively, and they are not uh, the best thing to have, you know, around you, especially when it gets hot outside. But I really hope that this podcast was something different for you and for all those who couldn't have, you know, checked out my other podcasts from 2019. This is a great refresher, but a little bit different because the other ones did really talk about research when it came to mosquitoes. And this one uh, packs in some tips and some different type of commentary around mosquitoes. And I definitely had fun with it and learned a few more things. I had a difficulty finding, of course, the, the perfect uh, things to talk about, but I ended up finding with this podcast episode and so I really hope that you enjoyed it I love when you all listen and come back for more and share of course the podcast read it and you know talk about it with your colleagues your friends your family and those around you so it really means so much and I love you for it and I want to thank you all always for tuning in so much gratitude towards you all I could never repay you Um, And I just want to, you know, just treasure that and treasure you all um, because it means so much. You know, greener thoughts mean so much and you all do too. So uh, with that, I hope to catch you at another time, another time, just, you know, uh, checking out another podcast episode, of course. And until then, of course, just take care of yourselves. Please take care of yourselves. And of course, please take care of the planet. Be well. Bye.